0: So welcome to an original Mind Over Matter initiative. It's called the Make Our Voices Heard podcast. Here we use a variety of platforms to speak up about mental health and all its glory. The stigmas, the stereotypes, its importance, the issues, all the solutions. So everything under the sun to make your life better. Because you know what they say, Mind Over Matter is the only way. So our guest today is Dr. Ekta Bhatia. She's a renowned pioneer in pediatric fitness therapy and has been the first in India to have started a kid's gym called Little Munchkins. In addition to running a full-time gym and consultation setup, she makes time to volunteer in villages around Varanasi with the Walkabout Foundation. She's helped a variety of children and parents over the years and we sincerely cannot thank her enough for taking her time out to do this podcast.
1: So Welcome. Thank you, Alia. Thank you for your kind words. Uh, it's really nice to be here and talking to you all. It's a great initiative. I think you've started much needed to fill in the void between uh, the so-called void between, you know, the sufferers and the ones who are trying to understand. And I think this will really help a lot of people. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. So um, parents tend to
0: want their kids to be overachievers and kids normally don't get to play much now because they're usually running from class and tuition to one another. So do you have any advice for all the tiger moms and the helicopter now?
1: Yeah, so, well, you know, as a parent, I understand how everyone wants what's best for their child. And I mean, I'm a mom to an 18-month-old, so even I understand and get that. We always want them to excel and want the best. What we do forget to understand sometimes, however, and I keep reminding this myself too, is that, you know, sometimes over-scheduling a child makes them completely lose control over their own life. They feel that they don't know what's going on or where they should go or how they want to spend the rest of the day or some part of the day at least. And that is something while you're scheduling your child's day, I would say, you know, not to kind of do... Try to have an idea, ask your child, involve your child in these class making decisions or whether you are scheduling it or not. Most importantly, I'd say, you know, in trying to find remedy to what your child is perceiving as bored, why not teach them how to, you know, encounter and endure the boredom so that they are a part of the solution with you. And therefore, the solution is so much more meaningful to them. So I think, yeah, that's, that's something that I do very often with, uh, you know, I mean, I'll even to an extent, like I will ask my daughter who's just 18 months old, I'll ask her, what do you want to do? Do you want to read a book? Do you want to go down? And in her own way, she does decide for herself. And it's amazing to see how much she's involved when she takes that decision in comparison to when I just take up something and say, okay, we're doing this. So, yeah, I mean, that, that is one advice I definitely want to give all my, you know, co-mothers go co-parents, rather.
0: And um, is there a link between physical and mental health in children?
1: Well, there is, a, there is a strong link between physical and mental health. When you talk about physical and mental, they are all ultimately in the brain map together. So a child would have, or an individual rather, not just a child, an individual would have a brain map, which would have some parts of the brain thinking about the physical, some parts of the brain thinking about the emotional or mental or cognitive. All these layers, however, would overlap each other. So not just physical and mental, but even cognitive, that's your intelligence and even your social and your emotional. All these have to happen. You do a physical activity, you are attached with some kind of mental ability as to deciding how am I going to do this? What is the challenge? How am I going to overcome the challenge? Once I do overcome the challenge, how am I going to feel about it? So the emotional comes in play. Social, what is the reward going to be or how is it going to be perceived? So all of this go hand in hand. There is no one from the other. You cannot separate it. From each other in the brain. And physical has the maximum space in the brain because it maps almost all your body parts. So, physical will have a lot of say in brain mapping and therefore a lot of overlap with all the others. Social, emotional, cognitive will have a small overlap over each other. But physical would overlap with almost everything okay
0: and um with small children do you recognize any like mental health or stress related issues
1: well we do i would say yes we do recognize stress related issues or stress affecting children yes we do recognize that in different ways it all depends on the child itself and where the stress is basically picked up from whether it's picked up from a school environment from a building or you know playground environment or from a classroom environment or academics or uh, any other family peers where is the stress picked up on from and the manifestation could be emotional like a breakdown physical sometimes uh, stress can actually have symptoms similar to pain like an actual pain as if you've gotten hurt Mm -hmm. so the manifestations would be very different and I have seen children getting affected with stress yes and uh, are parents of these kids you know open to
0: communicating and getting therapy and help in these situations
1: well definitely so much more than it used to be Mm -hmm. they are now open to discussing you know or having conversations with their own family amongst themselves, with a few closed ones, with a school counsellor, where there is more awareness than acceptance, I would say, in certain cases. And what I would rather want is I'd say we should be looking at more acceptance in listening to this rather than uh, speaking about it. Because people, now I have noticed are definitely wanting to talk about it. Their, their hiccups only arise when they feel that the person they will be talking to may not be open to listening to it. And that is where we need to work on as a society. We need to be more open and have more discussions. It it's, I mean, talking about health, whether it's mental or physical or any form of health, should be very effortless. And I, I think it should... Be more effortless. We, we need more effortless conversations.
0: And uh, what would you like to say to parents about, you know, what signs to look out for in their children? That's like a clear indication of stress,
1: anxiety. Okay. I mean, I, I would say no matter where the stress, anxiety is coming from, whether it's social, emotional, academic, exam, I mean, it could be anything. One very common sign that I have noticed with children is that it affects their decision-making skills. So there would be a lot of other signs as well that you could keep an eye out for, but the most important and the giving sign is in the sign of them trying to make decisions. They would be able to make decisions earlier on maybe, but with growing stress and anxiety, making a decision or coming to a decision gets more and more difficult to a child. Simple decisions like what they would like to eat or what they'd like to do today, or would they like to finish a class or would they like to join a class? And these are the given signs or given, these can be considered as a good telltale signs of, you know, if the stress is originating from a place or if the child is under any kind of stress or duress, and yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's one we miss out a lot. We try to focus a lot on, you know, those bigger signs. But this is one of the first signs and this stays always. This doesn't disappear. This doesn't go away. So yeah, this would be that sign. And
0: you mentioned academic and exam stress. So do you have any advice for children dealing with that?
1: Well, academic and exam stress, I mean exam is like a, it's a stress that has been there and it's a stress that people associate with uh, like a life, life making or life deciding decision and that is where the stress develops from. The minute you take away that the exam is going to decide your fate and what your life will hold next... The stress that is associated with it goes away. A lot of schools are tackling this by, you know, doing a grading system now, which helps a lot. Mm-hmm. But if you have to just generally, you know, maybe ask or decide as to how that exam stress can be tackled for a child or what the child could do for that stress, then I'd say, you know, probably help the child get a little organized and help the child understand the priority as to what or why the exam is being held in the first place. And children are very smart these days. They kind of put everything else in perspective thereafter.
0: And um, with your experience with children over the years, do you see like a change in them after the pandemic?
1: Children have an amazing ability to adapt and I think the pandemic did affect children a lot which says that the children needed to adapt the most and yes the children did adapt the most in this uh, pandemic and there are changes there are some kids who have grown up overnight or over a period of few months so yes there has been a slight change for the good as well as you know sometimes difficult or tough for the child but the pandemic has definitely made changes the children are uh, the children are more aware of their surrounding and their situation now mm-hmm. which is amazing
0: and um, in your experience with teenagers especially to what extent do you think that social media is playing a role in exacerbating social anxiety
1: well, social media is something that is what the teenagers are probably born with. The generation who are teenagers today have known a life with the internet. They've never known any life without the internet. So it's a part of their life. So taking it away doesn't first and foremost won't make sense because they wouldn't know what life would be without it. Having said that, also what happens with social media is the reason why social media kind of is seen in the negative light is because it does uh, add or feed or fuel certain negative emotions or habits or addiction which will get ex- which which will exacerbate with more usage so social media would question a, ch- a person's self control Will lead to comparison also sometimes, and these things kind of uh, have an effect on the child's or the individual's mind, which then affects their well-being of the child or the person. Most importantly, or the I think the biggest problem with social media is it is aimed at the reward system in the brain. You know, I mean, it's how you condition a brain. To learn or or teach a skill, you know, in how in experiments earlier on, in psychological experiments, animals were conditioned or they were used, like a reward system was used with them. Social media is like a social experiment with human beings, for that is what I feel, you know. Like it sets off the dopamine reward circuit with instant gratification and instant knowledge and instant answer to something and all of that which is the biggest reason which leads to anxiety because nothing will nothing that is instinct will help the brain brain should should know how to endure perseverance persistence and that is when you know you will be really happy with the fruits of your labor social media is too fast too quick and these things will definitely impact a child or a person's ability to think. Everything in life can't be that fast, that quick. You can't get it immediately. So there is no space or there is no question of boredom when you are on social media. You can scroll a hundred times. You can keep changing. You can go from one app to another. You can go from one profile to another. So there is no stopping. There's no limitations therefore therefore there are no disciplined boundaries so everything is so distorted the rules are so distorted from the real world that when you come out from the whole media or the social world or from the internet or the you know the web world it's so difficult to you know come into this realistic picture and kind of draw uh, understanding as to what we just felt inside the internet or while we were on the internet versus to how this works now also people have a tendency to be different when they know that they are being viewed when they are being you know noticed by others so when you meet this say, person on online the personalities change you'd be a different person you'd have a different online personality, you'd have a different offline personality and constantly jumping from one to the other is again an exercise that the brain may not like to do every now and then. It kind of confuses the person to understand which part of me is the true part of me and not just in themselves, but also in experiencing, you know, online friends would be, cordial and happy and funny because they have the time to type their response and you know a choice of a hundred photographs to choose from of what they would like to send versus when they meet you in person you'd not get that same uh I would say you wouldn't get the same kind of feeling back from the person which confuses how a relationship is so yeah I mean all these things and this constant uh, difference that your brain is trying to figure out from the real and the internet world is what leads to anxiety and sometimes social if it's around social. So I was
0: actually just coming to that point. Um, So when comparing themselves to other people, other celebrities, other teenagers and their friends also, especially through social media, I think teens often feel inadequate and that leads to social anxiety. So how do you think that one can get peace of mind and, you know, just be happy and be confident within themselves?
1: Very, uh, I mean, you, you're asking a good one there. You know, a lot, a lot, No, almost all of us have this habit of comparing. Now it starts somewhere I feel in our childhood, you know, I mean, while we are trying to teach children, young, small babies, toddlers, when you and I were toddlers, we were shown in the form of examples as to see, this is how we eat. See, this is how we brush. So those were to draw your attention or compare that, see how you eat, see how I eat, see how your friends brushing, see how your friends painting. So we start comparing another child or another person in front of children in our attempt to show them to observe and teach what we forget is that the comparison that begins there does not really have an ending anywhere we don't we do start we have roots in our childhood for comparison but do we really finish that comparison do we stop comparing at any point we don't and that comparison as the child grows older becomes like Oh, he's good at math. Oh, he's good at cricket. Oh, oh, that person's good at, you know, whatever other skill that is. And that constant comparison becomes a second thought process for all of us. When we go from our real world to the real world or the internet world, that thought process goes with us. So when we are in the internet world as well, now we are in that thought process. So very subconsciously without realizing we are, Comparing ourselves to clothes, to body, to, you know, where are we going on holidays and spending and everything. What I would like to tell an individual or a child is that when you do that, remind yourself that do we really, really want to compare an activity or a product or an experience? And when you start understanding that comparing is not always in seeing what the other one's doing and whether we can or cannot do, but also in influencing or encouraging your observational skills so you can form a better judgment of other things. You do see it as a third person perspective and not, the, not like I would like to be that person it helps you separate because then you are willing to see it as a complete, you want to see it as a different entity to observe it, to learn from it. And I think if we do realize or we do learn to kind of do that, to just be able to observe the internet of what it has to offer to us, then we could find some peace and some contentment and some answers and keep our rights and wrongs in place in our social situation.
0: That, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, so lastly, in our case, um, and in, in case that our listeners want to reach out to you for more information or advice or etc., could you share some contact details or something with them?
1: Well, uh, so my contact details would be Uh, uh, my phone number my personal phone number would be Mm -hmm. 9819011643 someone could also reach me on an email address on my email address of ekta ekta at Mm issm.co.in yeah i think these two are the places where you could reach me out Okay,
0: so um, basically our vision was to kind of create a youth-powered nonprofit encouraging conversation to educate and break the stigmas around mental health. And we'd like to thank you for joining us in our mission and for sharing your expertise and your valuable perspectives, which will definitely spark meaningful conversations
1: and will hopefully destigmatize mental health issues. So thank you. I'm um, thanks. Th- thank you, thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Thank
0: you.